You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. I love that part where he talks about the, the cross. I did this, meaning the work of the cross, so that we could have relationship. And again, sometimes we separate those uh, two things out, but it really, uh, it is the work of the cross that uh, really gives us um, the relationship that he so desires to have with us. And oftentimes we can get so focused on an aspect um, of what Jesus did and really forget the purpose of it was again to, to give us and to bring us life, to bring us relationship with the Father. This morning we're continuing uh, we've been making our way through uh, Psalm 23, which is probably uh, you know one of the most popular uh, psalms. It's one that's a very short uh, psalm, but it's also uh, one that is just really packed with a lot of really deep uh, meaning. And we've been looking at it from a particular point of view, and we've been looking at the challenges, the struggles, uh, the stresses that we face in life because they're found there in that psalm. And not only do we find those uh, struggles, those challenges there, we also find God's response to those as well. And so Psalm 23 kind of gives us God's approach on how to handle those stressful, those difficult, those challenging moments in life. And so far we've kind of looked at, you know, God's answer or his response to the issue of worry. We've looked at it from the issue of busyness. Last week we looked at it from the perspective of damaged emotions. And today I want to look at God's answer to indecision or wavering, if you've ever uh, wavered uh, in, in doing what God's calling you to do. Uh, and again, life is a series of choices, of decisions. And overall success in life really comes down to making consistently wise decisions. Now again, uh, oftentimes people will ask me, how do you develop trust in a relationship? You know, especially if there's been, you know, an act of unfaithfulness. Maybe you've been betrayed by a friend or you've been betrayed by a spouse. And one of the uh, things that have been fractured in that has been that element of trust. And so people oftentimes, especially if you're the one uh, who has caused that breach of trust, oftentimes we're looking for ways to, how do you develop trust? How do you build trust in a relationship? And oftentimes, we want it to to be a very, very quick, we want it to be kind of a a painless process. We just want something to produce trust uh, in a relationship. And my answer has always been that it takes time, and it takes making consistently wise, right choices over a long period of time. And, and as, you're, as you're doing that, you're, you're incrementally, uh, measure by measure, step by step, building trust. Because we make our decisions, and then our decisions make us. And every decision that you make in life, it has an outcome, right? 
because we're human beings, which again, means we're prone to make mistakes, we're prone to failure, we're prone to making bad choices. And so decision-making can become a very stressful event because we don't always know what's going to happen. We, we don't have control uh, of, of most things, okay? We really don't have that much control uh, really over ourselves, let alone um, other people. So again, oftentimes what comes out of that lack of control, that lack of trust is that we're afraid of making a decision. And not just making decisions, but we're really, really afraid of making the wrong decision. Some of you right now, you're kind of in that place of needing to make a decision, and you feel the stress, you feel the heaviness of that, because partly what you're wanting to do is to make sure that, you're don't, that you don't make the wrong choice. Uh, should I hold on? Should I let go? Should I get in? Should I get out? You know, should I buy? Should I sell? And again, the stress of indecision uh, begins to kind of get to us. Now, the Bible says in James 1.8 that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Now, it's interesting because the Greek word for unstable there, it means literally to stagger like a drunk. So when we can't make up our minds or our lives are plagued with indecision, you're going to kind of just stagger through life. You're going to kind of just feel like you're just bouncing off of the walls like a pinball in a pinball machine. And so sometimes after we make a decision, we'll even kind of start second-guessing ourselves, right? Oh, man, I made that decision, but is, is, it, is it the right decision? You know, did I pull the trigger uh, too soon? Did I do the right thing? And again, we waver back and forth. And again, that indecision uh, inevitably causes stress. Now, again, is there an answer? Does God have a response to that kind of stress that comes from decision-making? And amazingly, yes, you find in Psalm 23, 3, we read these words, he guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So the answer to the stress of decision-making is allowing God to direct us and to guide us along the paths of righteousness. There it says in Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. So again, not only does the good shepherd feed us, he leads us. Not only does he provide, but he guides. The good shepherd not only protects, but he also directs. And God has said, I will guide you through this life if you will follow, if you'll hear my voice, if you'll trust me, if you'll obey me. God says he will guide you on the paths of righteousness. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, there's, there's always kind of phrases that jump out um, at me, especially when I'm kind of focusing on, on a psalm like this. And this was just one of these verses as I kind of, you know, started this series. That was kind of the one phrase that just kept jumping out at me over and over and over again, was just God giving me this assurance, I will 
guide you. I will lead you along righteous paths. And again, there's just something, uh, there's just a sense of calm, a sense of peace, a sense of trust, knowing that God is committed, not to just me, but to you, to guide us, to lead us in paths that are righteous. Um, and that literally means the wise or the right path in and through life. God's paths of righteousness will never, ever put you in a place where the Spirit of the Lord is not present. If David were writing this psalm today, he would maybe say it this way, God, will you just keep me on the right track? Will you just keep me on the path that will enable me to be righteous in your sight? God, would you just lead me in paths that will keep me in right standing with you? Because that's really what life is all about. It's just being in right standing, right relationship with the Father. And he says, I will guide you. I'll lead you in those paths of righteousness if you'll just follow, if you'll just listen, if you'll just obey. Again, it's easy to get off track in life, and every one of us have done that. And again, it's easy to become preoccupied with trivia. It's so easy to get focused on the minors and lose sight of the majors. God is the one who is able, he is committed, he is willing to lead us and to keep us on track in life. So how do we let God guide us on the right path? The Bible says do at least these three things. The first thing is you got to admit you need a guide. Now, guys, let's admit this, right? The hardest thing for men to do is to stop and ask for directions when we're lost, right? Yeah, as guys, we, we, we just want to figure it out. We, we just want to go and, and we'll just, we'll figure it out as we're going. We don't want to stop and ask for directions. It's just not in our DNA, right? We just don't do it. Now, sheep, by nature, they're also prone to kind of just wandering off the path to get lost. And so they need a good shepherd to lead and to guide them, and so do we. It's no coincidence that many times in the gospel, Jesus refers to us as sheep. And again, partly what he's recognizing there when he recognizes us as sheep is he's recognizing our tendency to kind of wander off, to get off the path of life and lose our direction. Isaiah 53 verse 6 kind of confirms this, and it says, every one of us have strayed away, every one of us have strayed off of the path um, and, and are like sheep. We have left God's paths to follow our own. That is like our churches, our world is just filled with people like that. The fact is most of us, we don't want to spend um, any time following God or anyone else, whether we're Christians or not. We want to kind of go our own way. We want to do our own thing in our own timing. We don't want to admit we need direction, a guide. We think we can figure it out for ourselves, and as a result, we just, again, get lost, we get off track, uh, we lose direction, and we get confused. Just like so many people, again, we're looking to life 
to give us the answers and directions rather than looking um, to God who is the author of our faith. Uh, God is our creator and it's only through him that we'll ever come to discover and fulfill the purpose uh, for which he created us for. Now I, I didn't know this, but one of the things in reading about sheep is they have very poor eyesight. They can't see very far. So we often say, oh, that person's blind as a bat, you know? We could also say that person's blind as a sheep because they cannot see very far. They don't know where the path is gonna lead them. I mean, it could be, you know, they could be just walking, not being able to see very far ahead and just up a ways is a cliff or, or a pack of wolves. And again, that's why they need a shepherd. They need someone to guide them, someone who can see uh, a ways off, someone who can see uh, what's coming ahead. And we're like sheep in that respect. Human beings, we can't see too far into the future. We don't fully know what's going to happen tomorrow, much less what's going to happen 10 years from now. I mean, you may have plans for this afternoon. You know, you've got a commitment this afternoon, but you and I both know you can walk outside these doors, get a phone call, and it changes everything. Again, God made us in such a way that we cannot fully see into the future no matter how hard we try. I mean, again, look at the weathermen with all their fancy technology and, and equipment. They cannot fully accurately predict today's weather, much less you and I knowing what the future holds or what the next several hours holds. Now, why did God do that? Why did God make us in such a way that we cannot really see very far into the future with any degree of accuracy. He did it so that we would depend on him as our guide. The problem is because sheep don't see very well into the future, and we don't either, we tend to stumble, we lose our way, and get confused. Proverbs 14, 12 says this, there, there is a way in life that seems, that's the word there, it seems, it has the appearance of being right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. We've all made decisions in life based on the information we had at the time. It seemed like it was the right decision, but later on turned out to be wrong. And there are a lot of paths in life that lead to dead ends. They lead nowhere. And again, that's why it's so easy to get off track and to get lost in life. And just like sheep that kind of tend to wander and get lost, they can't see into the future, like us, they stumble and we stumble. So the first step, the first point there is to admit, I need a guide. I need a shepherd. Psalm 25 verse 9 says, he guides the humble. Now that, I, I kind of underlined that word there. That's, that's the uh, the criterion there. He guides the humble. Oftentimes we come to God wanting God uh, to lead us and to guide us, but we're filled with pride. So the scriptures make very clear, he guides the humble 
in what is right. And humility is recognizing I can't lead myself. I can't guide myself. I need help. I need a guide. I need a shepherd. And the Lord is that. So he guides the humble in what is right, again, or, or that word righteousness. That's just a shortened version of that word. It's the same idea. God guides the humble in what is right, what will lead to righteousness. And he teaches them his way. And again, humility is the key factor there. It involves admitting, I need a guide. Second thing is we need to ask in faith for directions. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 7, Ask and it shall be given. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door will be opened. So, so Jesus says you've got to ask, you've got to knock, and you've got to seek. God wants us to learn to ask. James 1, chapter 1, verses 5 through 6, tells us um, how to do that and how to get wisdom. He said, if you want to know what God really wants for you, ask him. Isn't that simple? Oftentimes, we're the ones that complicate that. And it's just, James makes it very simple. If you want to know what God really wants you to do, ask him and he will gladly tell you. For he is always ready to give a bountiful supply of wisdom to all who ask. Going back to the words of Jesus there in Matthew 7, 7, ask and it will be given. For he is always ready to give a bountiful supply of wisdom to all who ask him. But if you don't ask in faith, don't expect the Lord to give you any solid answer. God is willing, more than willing, more than able to give wisdom. He's anxious to give you and I wisdom. He's waiting to give that. He wants to direct our lives. He wants to direct our lives in right paths. But we've got to have two things lined up. We got to ask the right person, God, and we got to ask with the right attitude or the right heart posture, and that is in faith, expecting an answer. How many of us have ever asked God for something and then we've never really expected uh, to get it? All of us have, right? That's probably why we didn't get it. Because one of the ways that God is kind of committed to working in our lives is according to faith. Sometimes we say, God, please guide me, and then we just take off. We're not looking for direction. We'll, we'll say to God, God, give me wisdom, and then we'll just take off. We don't take time to stop and, and to listen and to sense, you know, what is God saying? What is, how is God um, leading? And again, it really depends uh, on us coming to the right person, God, and again, with the right heart posture, um, faith. And again, God has promised wisdom when we ask him for it. Now, what is wisdom? There's a lot of definitions of wisdom. One definition I like is wisdom is seeing life from God's point of view, seeing life from God's, uh, through God's eyes. Wisdom, again, it's the ability to make decisions the way God makes decisions. I like that. 
Because here's the thing, God always bats a thousand, never makes a bad decision, never makes a wrong turn, never makes a wrong move. He says if we trust him, if we hear his voice, if we obey him, he will guide us. But again, we've got to approach, we've got to walk in faith. Now there's an interesting phrase that always jumps out at me there in Psalm 23, 3. And it's that phrase, for his name's sake. He says, he will lead me, he will guide me in righteous paths or in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Oftentimes, we kind of just gloss over those four words there, for his name's sake, without really fully understanding or knowing what it means. Now, Psalm 23.3 is not the only place this phrase appears. Psalm 25.7, David uses it again. He says, for your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Psalm 31.3 says, For you are my rock and my fortress, and for your name's sake you lead me and guide me. Isaiah 48.9, For my name's sake I defer my anger. For the sake of my praise I restrain it for you that I may not cut you off. 1 John chapter 2, verse 12, Your sins are forgiven for his name's sake sake. So again, you find this phrase throughout Scripture. So what does the phrase mean? What, what is he getting at there? It means for the sake of establishing and demonstrating his reputation as God. It's all about reputation. God is building a name for himself, and he is establishing his reputation as God. And one of the ways God demonstrates and manifests his reputation as God is by always leading his children in paths of righteousness. Always. When God does that, when he always faithfully, consistently, steadfastly leads us in paths of righteousness, part of that is God is establishing a name for himself and he is building a reputation. So God has a reputation. He has built a name for himself as someone who is fully, completely, totally righteous. Righteousness is one of the qualities God is known for. Because here's the thing. If God would ever lead you and I in any kind of a path of unrighteousness, or in any unrighteous way, it would damage his reputation as God of being completely, thoroughly righteous. Now just stop and think about this for a moment. Many of us here have an allegiance to, or we buy products, or we, uh, we go to businesses because of their reputation. 
because their brand, their service has a reputation of being dependable or it's good. We like the taste of it versus other brands. We, we buy certain products. We'll, we'll revisit certain businesses over and over and over because they have built a name for themselves. They have kind of, uh, they have come to build a reputation that we have kind of come to depend upon. We would say, we, and I, I hear this phrase sometimes where somebody will say, uh, boy, they've really built a name for themselves, you know? And oftentimes when we're looking for a certain product, we will kind of look for that certain name, that certain brand, because over time they have built a reputation with us of being someone who builds or offers a great product. We trust their product. We trust their business because they, again, have built over time a reputation as being consistent and dependable and loyal. And they're oftentimes committed to doing whatever they have to do to always protect and to build that reputation. Now, growing up, my dad always drove a GMC vehicle. Never bought anything else other than a GMC. As a matter of fact, my dad would always kind of say that the GMC stood for God's miracle car. Now, that was the reputation that GMC had for my dad. Now, I know not everybody, you know, has that same feeling towards GMC, but just take, you know, whatever brand of vehicle you do have confidence in and just insert it there. For my dad, it was, it was GMC. It was God's miracle car. That was the reputation GMC had for my dad. From my dad's repeated favorable experiences with GMC, they had built a name for themselves in his eyes. They had a reputation in my dad's eye for a great, for a dependable quality vehicle that kept my dad coming back time after time after time after time. And again, it was based in part on their reputation as GMC. And every time my dad thought about GMC, what did he think about? God's miracle car. That was, again, the reputation it had for my dad. And GMC's part was they recognized the reputation that they had built and were building. They realized they were building a name for themselves. And they had certain obligations and they probably were driven by certain responsibilities to protect that reputation. And one of the ways they did that was by continuing to build great vehicles. Now, they would start to, if they would start to produce inferior or, you know, the quality uh, of their service, uh, you know, began to uh, decrease or they just didn't stand behind their product and they were starting, you know, to, to, to use inferior products, over time that begins to affect their name and their reputation. And again, this is the same idea behind this concept of God's namesake. God has a reputation, and he's been building that reputation all over eternity. He's been building and branding a name for himself um, in, in many attributes and qualities. So God has built a name for himself um, as, the being, uh, as being the very essence of love. 
So over time, throughout eternity, God has made and built for himself a reputation of unconditionally, fully, always loving perfectly. Again, if God ever acted in an unloving way, it would diminish his reputation. It would begin to tarnish his name as the one true God who loves And that is why he is ever faithful, ever perfect in the ways he loves. And again, that extends to every attribute, every characteristic of God. Everything God does, everything God is, is all for the purpose of establishing and reinforcing his reputation as God. And God is faithful in all he does, in who he is, in part to keep, to build, to maintain his reputation as the one true, perfect, faithful, steadfast God. So whenever you see that phrase, for his name's sake, God is putting his name on the line. When he says, I will lead you in paths of righteousness, I am so committed to that. As a matter of fact, I have a reputation of being the God who leads people in paths of righteousness. I I built a name for myself, and I am committed to making sure that nothing I do will ever diminish or tarnish my reputation as the one true righteous God. that's, That's the idea there. Every time you see that phrase, God is saying, I, I put my, I'm putting my reputation on the line for that. That's how committed I am to doing what it says. I've put my reputation, I stake my reputation on that. Does that, that make sense? Good. Third thing is, trust God even when I don't understand. Now, a great example of this is found in the Old Testament when the children of Israel were finally set free from Egypt after 400 years of slavery. Remember, Moses goes in and he tells Pharaoh, let my people go. And eventually, after 10 huge destructive plagues, Pharaoh said, I've had enough, pack it up and get out. So they hit the open road. And the whole nation starts moving out in this great sense of freedom. And one of the first things that... that they encounter one of the first places God leads them is to the Red Sea. On one side of them is this huge, impassable mountain. On the other side of them is another huge, impassable mountain. In front of them is this huge, impassable Red Sea. Behind them is the army of Pharaoh coming to re-enslave them. And so they're standing there with really nowhere to go. What is God going to do? The paths, every path around them looks like it leads nowhere. However, God knew exactly what he wanted to do. He was preparing them for a miracle. He was preparing them for total deliverance. God had not made a mistake because he could see what they could not. You know how the story goes. He opened the Red Sea and they walked through. Years later, the Israelites looked back on that miraculous event 
And in Psalm 77, they said this, your road led by a pathway through the sea, a pathway no one knew was there. I love that. A pathway no one knew was there. Some of you may be kind of, you know, facing what looks to you kind of like a dead end. There's, there doesn't really seem to be a path forward. There doesn't seem to be a way out. And you may be feeling that financially. You may be feeling that emotionally. You may be feeling that relationally. But it's really not a wall. It's just a door. God can see a path in your life. God can see a path forward. You can't. God sees something you don't see. The path you may be on right now, it may feel dark, it may feel despairing, it may feel discouraging, it may feel overwhelming, you may feel depressed about it, you may think there's no way through this, there's no way this will work out, it's impossible, it's implausible, it's impassable. But if you'll just keep waiting, trusting, in faith, even when you don't see a way, the scriptures make very clear, God will make a way. When you think it's not going to happen, if you'll just stay on the path, if you'll just continue to remain faithful, if you'll just continue to be steadfast in your obedience, at some point, that path is going to become clearer and clearer brighter and brighter, God is going to begin to open up things that once looked closed. God will begin to bring life in places that looked like it had only death. Life is a journey, and at times a mysterious, unpredictable journey. I'm just going to kind of close with a, 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 just a, a kind of an example of this. Um, it goes back probably about 20 years, um, and it really kind of led to the, the, uh, my being here um, at Praise. A lot of you know that I spent the first nine years uh, in the United Methodist Church, and for just a whole host of reasons, we just felt like God was calling us out of the United Methodist Church, but we really didn't have a very clear sense of, at, at that moment, where God was calling us to. We felt like there were a, a number of paths that, that seemed, again, we go back to that word, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a way that seems right to a person, but in the end, it kind of, you know, leads to death. So we kind of felt like there were, there, were, there were several paths that seemed like they were the right ones, but we really didn't know what was God calling us to do. And so as you know, the, as our time in the Methodist church started winding down, you know, the days start ticking off and, and we're kind of feeling the pressure of we need to make a decision. We need to figure out what we're going to do. Are we going to stay in the Methodist church? Are we going to go? What are we going to do? And I remember for Janie, the decision was very, very simple, um, and she struggled with, with, with my inability or my indecision to be able to figure out which way to go. And, and there was just kind of, and not that it wasn't for her, but there was just kind of a, a heaviness on me because I realized it wasn't just a, a, a decision that was going to impact me. It was going to impact my family. And there were just a lot of things that this was going to impact. And so as you, I started thinking about all of the ways that this was going to kind of impact. It really kind of uh, overwhelmed me. 
And I, I just remember kind of just keep coming to God, you know, which way? And, and again, for me in my thinking, um, and I think part of what I struggled with was I just kind of felt like there's, a, there's a, a right path and a wrong path. And so I was coming at this just very, very black and white. I was coming at this situation, this decision um, that there's just one right way and there's just one wrong way. And I wanted to make sure that I was doing the right thing. And so for me, I kind of just kept looking at, okay, I can stay in the Methodist church or we can step out in faith and we can kind of go with this new church start praise. And Janie was very, very clear, um, very, very solid uh, in the very, very beginning, we need to go with praise. I was just, not that she hadn't, but I was just waiting for clarity um, and just a sense of direction from God. And so again, as the time, you know, is ticking off, I'm just feeling more and more stressed out about this. And so finally, I just remember going to God and saying, God, I need an answer today. I need an answer right now. I need to know which way to go. Because again, in my mind, one was the path of obedience, one was the path of disobedience. One was right, one was wrong. And what was amazing was what God said to me. He said, I'll bless both of them. That that was not even an option that I had thought about. God said, I will bless both of those choices, but my greater blessing will be with praise if you, if you go the way of praise. But either way, I'm going to bless. That took an enormous amount of stress off of me. As a matter of fact, it really kind of enabled me to say, okay, I, I'm going I'm to go um, the, the greater path here. I could have chickened out and said, I'm going to stay with what I know. I'm going to stay with what's familiar. I'm going to stay with what's already established. But man, if if God says the greater blessing is over here. Now, the point of the story is simply this. Some of you may be at a similar point in life where you kind of have approached this path, and, and there's maybe two or three or four different directions that you can go. And again, oftentimes we kind of stress out, and we kind of just get all, you know, worried that we're going to make the wrong choice, when in fact they could all be the right choice. There's just a greater blessing with one of them. Now again, not always, but again, I kind of had this black and white thinking at this place that I was at, that it was just, there's just the choice between right and wrong. God oftentimes has many right choices that he gives us. And, And then he kind of just says, pick the one you want. And that's kind of what I felt God was doing in this. They're both great choices. I'm going to bless both of them. You're going to do fine, but pick one. But the, my greater blessing is going to be with this. And so oftentimes that may be what you're finding as you're, as you're walking these paths of righteousness. There may be a lot of righteous choices, and God just gives you the, the privilege. He just gives you the joy of picking the one that, that you like, the one that you love, the one that you really want to do. And again, that's not with all decisions. I'm just saying that oftentimes we can approach decisions and paths in life very black and white. 
And it just may be that God is giving us a lot of choices amongst that, that path of righteousness. So again, just be really aware. Uh, just be open uh, to that. Uh, and again, uh, my prayer for you, uh, and certainly my prayer uh, has been as I've been really kind of looking at this psalm, it's just, just this, God, would you just lead me? Would you just guide me? in the paths of righteousness. Would you guide me in, in a path uh, that, that uh, um, leads me in, in a right standing, in a right relationship with you? And for his namesake, because his reputation is on the line here, he will do it, amen? Let's go ahead and stand together. Father, we just again thank you. And Lord, I, I, just, I pray for people here this morning who maybe are facing situations circumstances that maybe have to make difficult decisions and Lord they're stressed out and they're worried they're fearful that Lord they're going to make the wrong choice and Father we just thank you Lord that you are our shepherd you are our guide you have come to lead us if we'll just simply humbly and in faith, ask and allow you to lead us, God, that you're, you're committed, you're, your reputation, your name is on the line, that you will lead us in paths of right choices, paths that will keep us on the right track. And because of that, Lord, because your name's sake is attached to that, Lord, we need not fear, we need not worry, we need not be anxious. And so, Father, this morning, I just pray that you'll help us to hear your voice, to sense your leading and your guiding. And not just in the big decisions, but in the little ones as well. Because it's oftentimes, Father, it's in the little ones where we get off track that lead us to the bigger problems. So, Lord, lead us and guide us even in the little, in the things that seem maybe inconsequential, that God, choice by choice, decision by decision, both in the great and the small decisions, God, that you are committed to leading us and guiding us. And Father, again, I just thank you, Lord, that you'll never, ever lead us in paths of righteousness where you're not present. And so, Lord, I just again pray for those who are facing what seems like a door, what seems like a wall, that seems like there's no way forward. That, God, you see something. You see a way. You have a way we don't know is there. And, Lord, I just pray you'll help us just to stand, to stand faithfully, to be patient, trusting that you have a path, you have a way where there seems no way. So, Father, for anybody here this morning, I, I just uh, ask, Lord, that you would make your presence as the great shepherd known to them, that you have their hand, and that you'll lead them and guide them. And we just thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.